All right, let's go to John chapter 15. We went through these verses last Sunday and focused in on the word abide. And uh, just kind of built everything out of what that means. And I'm not really going to try to recap that. I've got a lot, of, a lot of ground to cover in the next few minutes. Um, if you're thinking, didn't we do this passage last week? In other words, yes, we did. Um, but today it would be from a, a little bit different perspective. So let's look at 1 through 5 in John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So um, I want to just kind of hop around in this uh, metaphor, analogy, illustration, however you want to think of it, and kind of just bring out a few of the different points. And, and I want to start off with the idea of fruitfulness, because... Clearly, a part of what he's getting at is that we were created to bring about fruit. And this, in some ways, maybe doesn't track with us super well, but Jesus is saying these words to his disciples on Thursday night before Good Friday. And so at some point in that night when they had the Passover meal and he uh, redefined that and gave them the Lord's Supper, Either while they were in the upper room or as they were traveling to Gethsemane, he's telling them these words. And so his audience in those moments would have been Jewish disciples. And so for him to be talking vine branches bearing fruit would have conjured up certain imagery because uh, the Old Testament is filled with this, this kind of talk. We see it in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Hosea and, and different Psalms as well. God looks at Israel and he and and trying to help them understand the storyline he talks about them in terms of being a vineyard vines branches grapes that Israel is God's vineyard to bring about fruitfulness and that fruitfulness comes uh, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength when you love your neighbor as yourself, it brings about a fruitfulness that that's what God is doing. It starts off like this comes from what God uh, told Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So through the lineage of Abraham, God would form a nation that would be his own, his own vineyard, 
and from that vineyard all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He even put them like on, in a strategic place on the map. And if you were to look at ancient maps of trade routes, they all went through Israel. And so God puts his vineyard right where all of the traffic was going to come through and they were going to have to stop there. With the idea being when they're there, it's like these people are different. There's something else going on here. They're kind, they're generous, they, they treat us like family even though we are strangers. Paul talks about this same kind of fruitfulness in uh, the book of Galatians. You might be familiar with this. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, okay, the fruit of God's vineyard and his people, it's things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. So that's, see, this is what the vineyard is supposed to look like. These are what the lives of God's people are supposed to look like. It's these qualities, these like characteristics of God himself expressed in the way that we live and love him and treat one another to the point where the nations of the world are blessed by the people of God and part of that is by becoming one of his own people. This invitation that the, the being a part of God's vineyard wasn't about being Jewish. It wasn't about being from a certain country or a certain skin color or speaking a certain language or having a certain kind of behavioral history or whatever it may be. It's by grace, through faith, come on, join the vineyard, you know. That was what God was going for, starting off with Israel through Abraham, and then Jesus would show up and take that beyond, beyond the Jewish families to the nations of the earth. That was the whole plan. That's um, so why he says, apart from me, you can't do this. Apart from me, you cannot bear that kind of fruit, but from me, you can bear that kind of fruit. And so in the talk of fruitfulness, we have to think, yeah, that's the result of a vine drawing water and nutrients from the ground, feeding a branch with what it needs, and then the fruit is what comes when, when that relational system is all working. And so we are God's vineyard. But the disciples would have heard that, and they wouldn't have necessarily thought, like, oh, that's beautiful, because... Israel had a history of shortcomings with this. It was these, these cycles of faithfulness and then a complete rebellion, you know. And some of it was they had great leaders and they had terrible leaders. They had not been the fruitful vineyard that, was a, that loved God and that blessed the nations the way that God had intended. It just wasn't, just wasn't the case. And it's because they were, trying, they were trying to be their own vine. They were trying to be their own source. And so this, this weird, just strange sense of Jewish pride and nationalism that turned into racism against anyone who wasn't Jewish took over for them. And so they're like... 
their perspective on being a vineyard was it was just about being Jewish because they were God's chosen ones and then taking care of other Jewish people. And anyone else is a threat. Anyone else is the enemy. Anyone else just has to fend for themselves. And so what you don't have is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You don't have those things. You have the opposite of those things. You have apathy. You have fear. You have chaos. You have this impetuous way of living. You have hate. You have evil. You have infidelity. You have harshness. You have self-indulgence. You have this community, this vineyard that wasn't being, that wasn't loving God or loving people, and it wasn't producing fruit. <clears throat> and the disciples would have caught on to that because they were very much aware. So Jesus, he says something, look at verse 1, something interesting. He says, I'm the true vine. Now, in verse 5, he says, I'm the vine. Here are the branches. But here, he starts off, he says, I'm the true vine. And to Jewish ears, that would have been interpreted as saying, Judaism is not the vine. Jewish nationalism is not the vine. The pride that you have developed is not the vine. The religious routines that you are in with a sacrificial system and all that is not the vine. The religious leaders thinking that they are superior and better to everyone else is not the vine. Money is not the vine. Status is not the vine. A Messiah leading Israel to political and military prominence again is not the vine. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. You've been trying to supply all that by your own efforts, and look where it's gotten you. You're a massive vineyard with no fruit. But Jesus brings good news. He says, I'm, I'm the true vine. Jesus is essentially saying, I have come to do what Israel could not do. I've come to do what you could not do. I have come to love the Lord our God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. And I've come to love my neighbor as one of my own. I have come to produce fruit that will bless the nations. I've come to start the vineyard. And the good news is, anyone can be a part of it. By grace, through faith, anyone can be a part of the vineyard. Jesus is the true Israel. He's the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. He says, I'm the true vine. I'm the, I'm the vine you've been ignoring, but I'm right here in your midst. So he says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. That's what he says in verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the, you're the branches. So, um, so we talked about fruitfulness and what that's supposed to be. We talked about Jesus as the true vine that is, is leading to that kind of fruitfulness. And so we're in between those two things. We're in between the vine and the fruit. We're the, we're the branches. We're the, we're the conduit through which God's life and power flows and transforms us and produces a fruitfulness that will nourish and bless the nations of the world. We are branches. So if you are in Christ, you are a branch according to this, all this imagery. 
And not only are you a branch, but we are branches. I'm very thankful that he didn't say, each of you is a branch. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So what's a branch? A branch is connected to the vine. As I said last week, they, they remain in one another. They are interconnected with each other. From the outside, you can look and you can say, well, you know, that's the, that's the physical point where, the, where the, the vine and the branch connect to each other. But if you were to go in, inside, and you look at the fibers of that plant, and you look at that inside that connection, you would not be able to tell where one starts and the other one ends, ends necessarily because they are abiding in one another. They're remaining in one another. They're connected to one another. And the life of the vine flows into the branch. And when that is happening, there is a fruitfulness that comes from it. And those kind of agricultural metaphors are things we're pretty familiar with. But, but think about this. We're the branches. And if you've ever been around a vineyard of any sort, um, if you'd like gardening in nice, neat rows... Everything is perfectly spaced apart. My, my, uh, I, both my grandfathers were big gardeners. One of them was a civil engineer. And so you'd go out to his garden and it would be like eerily perfect. Like he, uh, he was a civil engineer and he was, a, he was a land surveyor. And so he would survey his garden. Like he would like set markers and like do all the things. And it was like, it was a grid. Like it was amazing. He, a vineyard would have driven him crazy because what do vines do? They run wild. And they intermingle with one another and they get all tangled up. And you end up really with like just this big, massive cluster of branches. And I think about you and us and what we're doing here together as a church family and the fact that our lives are supposed to be intermingled like that. They're supposed to twist around one another and interact and they're supposed to be this this in this sense of like yes i'm a person but i'm also i'm a part of this massive like thing and vineyards they the branches they support one another and they hold each other up and they help each other bear fruit and they do all there's this, this analogy you can just run with it and run with it run with it but that's what he's saying he's not just saying this is an individualistic thing this is a corporate thing as well that we are the we are the vineyard that God has started. We are doing what Israel could not do because we are connected to the true vine. That if you are in Christ, if you have said yes to Jesus, believing that he has come to save you from yourself and from sin and from death, and that he took your sin and death upon himself when he died and he took it to the grave when he raised from the grave, sin and death stayed behind, and he's invited you into that resurrected life, and you have said, yes, I want that, I believe that, that's who you are to me, then, then you are a branch. You are grafted into him as the vine at that point. You didn't earn your way into it. You're not going to earn your way out of it. It is a grace-faith thing. And if you're here or if you're watching and you have never really like done that whole thing, like you've never had that talk with God where you expressed, yes, that is what I believe, then today can be that day for you. It's just as simple as telling him that. I don't have to walk you through anything. You and him can have that talk. And after you and him have that talk, then how about you and me have that talk? You, you don't need to keep that to yourself. But if you have said yes to him, 
You're grafted into him. You are abiding in him. He is the true vine. We are the branches. This is a vineyard situation. And so look back at verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So back then, and even to this day, there's a guardian and a master overseer of a vineyard. The the vine dresser knows exactly what the vineyard needs. And the vine dresser knows exactly how to get the most out of the vineyard. That is what the father is doing. He's looking at... Whether we think of it as he's looking at the capital C global church as a vineyard or this church or if you are part of another church, that church. He's looking at us and he's like, I know exactly what this vineyard needs to produce the maximum amount of fruit that it's capable of producing. Jesus is the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser. And here they are working together to do what? To bring fruit out of a bunch of dumb branches. It's amazing. One of the ways that he does that, he explains in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Let's talk about those two things. I think that's very, very important for us. Because here Jesus is giving us this really simple agriculture metaphor to help us understand some really deep realities. True vine, vine dresser. What is the vine dresser doing? He's cutting stuff out of our lives that is not producing fruit. And he's pruning things that are bearing fruit but he knows that there can be more fruitfulness. Let's talk about each of those for a second. I'll talk, you listen, how about that? The branch, <clears throat> every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay? We all, <clears throat> excuse me, we all have things in our lives that bear zero fruit. Let's just be very honest. Let's not kid ourselves. We all have things And some of them are in kind of that category of things like sin. How about that? Like sin is not producing the fruit of the Spirit in us. Fruit is not bringing about the kind of vineyard that God has in mind that will love him and bless the nations. Like that's not. like. And so some of you, even in me bringing that up, your mind already goes to something in your life and you're like, I know God is wearing me out about this. This pattern, this habit, this thing I've become callous to where I don't even care about it anymore. You know, like your mind immediately went there and you're wishing I would let up a little bit. In a similar camp, there's, there's things like lies. Like he's, he's wanting to cut out false things that you and I have come to believe as though they are true. And we build our lives on them as though they are true when they are not true. Lies that the world tells us, lies that our enemy tells us, lies that our own flesh tells us about ourselves. We become convinced of things 
even if the Bible tells us differently, even if we would look anyone else in the planet on the, on the, in the eye and tell them the opposite, we make ourselves exceptions to those things sometimes. You know another thing he's trying to cut out? Shame. Like shame produces no fruit in us. There's a, there's a sermon that I, I have sent to a lot of people over the years that John Piper preached at a passion uh, a college ministry conference called Passion. And um, the premise of the sermon is this belief that shame over sexual sin has kept the gospel from going to the nations. And at first you're like, man, that seems like hyperbole, right? Like that's pretty... That's a pretty bold statement. But the longer I'm, I do this for a living, the more I realize that, like, whether it's that particular kind of sin or whatever, just shame in general, I think has kept the gospel from the nations because it, we, have let, we have let it hinder us so much in our perceptions of ourselves, the power of the gospel, the goodness of God, uh, God being for us, you know, God believing in us and our own abilities to like be who we were created to be. Like shame is uh, a massive hindrance. And a lot of times it's because we haven't really been taught how to process our shortcomings. Something that we here at Living Hope talk about a lot and work on a lot. And some people think we talk about it too much. And i I want to apologize for how much you talk about it. And so even if we were just to go in, the, in the, that kind of world of sin, lies, shame, you think about jump to God being the vine dresser and him looking at your life, you, like this particular branch, this is not bearing fruit because this branch is believing something that is false. This branch is riddled with shame over what he did, over what was done to him. This branch is bearing, this part of this branch is bearing no fruit because there's a sin pattern that she's just given herself over to. So as the vine dresser, the vine's like, I know exactly what needs to happen. I need to cut this mess out of this vine. Not sever the, the branch from the vine. Say, no, 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 we're going to cut this section out. Because the vine dresser loves you, and you're more than a branch. And so what a loving thing for him to do, to come and to tend to our lives and to say, I, I want to take out these things that are they're not producing fruit because they're bad for you. They're unhealthy for you. This is not who you were created to be. It's, it's amazing. There's another category that I really feel compelled to bring up. And it's, it's the things in our lives that are bearing no fruit because they are just fruitless. Like some of the things that we put our time into and our energy into and our money into, that are, they're just not kingdom things. I don't think that God looks at our lives and it's like, yeah, why don't you just go waste your time, waste your energy, waste your money. That's fine. And he's like, no, we're going to cut that out. 
I'm not a master gardener by any means, but something I've learned is that when you have someone who is aggressive in their plant keeping, whenever they notice an unhealthy part of a plant, they immediately will like, like rip it out. They'll cut it off, they'll tear the, whatever it is. What I've learned is because that plant is going gonna, is gonna to use resources to try to keep that thing going. It's taking it away from the rest of the plant. So aggressive plant keeper, gardener folks are just like, nope, 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 nope. Because they want all the nutrients and all the energy to go into the right healthy things. And I think that God does that with us too, where he's like, look, you're putting a whole lot of yourself into this and it is taking you away from the things in your life that are producing fruit because you have really shallow hobbies and interests and things that you're invested your life in. Then the problem comes up with like, yeah, but what about, what about the hobbies and interests and things that eat up our energy and our time? But what about the things that just make us happy and bring us joy and are fulfilling? They may not be like, uh, they may not be like blatantly bringing the kingdom of God near, but they are like a blessing to this branch, you know? And what I would say to that is, it doesn't matter what you think, what I think, what anyone else weighs in on about your life. All that matters is what the vine dresser thinks. So if you feel a pressure on like, like, if you feel like, like God is like, kind of like putting his finger on an area of your life and kind of pressing in on it a little bit, you just have to ask him. Because this, this metaphor, obviously, like it runs its course. It, it comes up short at some point. It doesn't apply to everything in all of life because a vineyard is like those plants are at the mercy of the vine dresser. You and I have a say in the matter most of the time. Sometimes God overrides that, but most of the time it's a cooperative thing. And so what we get to do is we get to say, God, I, clearly you want to cut sin and shame and lies and those, those things out of my life because they're bearing no fruit. But what about this? This is a part of my life that is not bringing any sort of fruitfulness in some senses, but I love it. It means a lot to me. What do you think? And he might say, you are wasting your life on that. But he might say, I know how much joy that brings you. So it is producing fruit. Maybe it can produce more fruit. Maybe we should talk about that. All that to say, it's just about what the vine dresser thinks. And so we have the opportunity to pray and to ask him to lead us in that. So let me segue from that into what about those things, like it says in the second part of the verse, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What about those things? That there is some fruit, there is some, like, it could be hobbies and interests and stuff like that. It could be how you approach career, uh, how you approach parenting, how you approach marriage, how you approach friendship, how you approach use of your spiritual gifts, how you approach management of your time, your money, your energy, like all that kind of stuff. It could be that there's, there is some fruit, or even the potential for fruit, but, it, but it's not what it could be. 
says that he prunes it so that it will bear more fruit. That what he wants for you is for you to flourish in all of those areas. For there to be no part of your life that's bearing no fruit. If there's a part of your life that's bearing no fruit, it either needs to be cut away or it needs to be pruned back so that the fruitfulness can be there. So you think about think about like the good things in your life, like you think about your think about career, whatever you do for a living, and the people that you work with, and that that as a ministry context, are you operating at max capacity in terms of fruitfulness in 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 with those people within your marriage or how you raise your kids, how you serve the church family and use your gifts? Are you at max capacity and fruitfulness in how you have budgeted your personal finances or how you spend your time? Those kinds of things. That what the vine dresser wants is the maximum amount of fruitfulness that you are capable of producing. And some seasons that might be more than others, let's, let's be frank, but that's what he wants. And so you think about your, like all your little kingdoms, right? The places in your life where what you say, that's what goes. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the vineyard. Let's either cut away the things that are bearing no, no fruit, or let's be willing to let God do whatever he wants to do within us so that we're producing the most fruit that we can. That's what he wants for all of our relationships. And so he might have to do some pruning in some of our friendships in terms of like how we approach friendship and some of, of our marriages. And I can keep going, 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 but I just keep coming back to this idea of like, God's like, yeah, but, but there's more. Do you want more? Could there be more? Are you willing to be obedient if he's like, hey, this is, this, is what, this is great, but it could be so much more. We think about our jobs, what we do for a living, and the ministries that God has given every single one of us. You could be the boss of something. You could work in an office with other people. You could be a student. You could... You can be a stay-at-home parent, but you should, we have all these relationships that are tied to those things. That what, what do you do Monday through Friday? You can be retired, but yet your time still f- fills up with stuff. Maximum fruitfulness. And so, how does God do? How does God do that? How does He cut out the things that are bearing no fruit, and how does He prune and work on the things that could bear more fruit? Like, what does that look like? Well, He tells us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Right before, you have, this is John 15. This is what he tells them in John 14. These things I have spoken to you while I'm with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He said that before the vine and the branches, that the helper was going to come. 
and was going to remind them of the truth and the things that Jesus had to say. So then he says, vine the branches. Then after the vine the branches, he, he says that the Holy Spirit, here's just the high points here, calls him the helper again, uh, calls him the spirit of truth, and says that he will bear witness about, about me, about Jesus. That a part of the pruning is God redirecting us back to the vine. It's like, hey, don't obsess over the fruit. You, you should obsess over the true vine. Then a few verses later, he says that the Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That a part of the pruning, it is, that, it is conviction. It is when you know that he's like telling you to cut something out of your life. That it's this cooperative, like as the vine dresser, I'm saying you and me are about to get rid of this part of your life is the conviction at times of saying, saying my, my marriage is shallow, my friendships are shallow, my approach to work, uh, is, it's, it is not a mission field for me like it should be. I have all these opportunities, I have all this like platform as, the, as the, uh, is this, the thing now, like, yeah, building your brand and all this kind of stuff, and like, you have all this influence and all these relationships. It's a part of it, the pruning is the conviction of saying, I'm not... I'm not being obedient. I'm not going for it. I'm not a fruitful vineyard. And that's a part of how he prunes, is he convicts the Spirit does that. And he says a few verses later, the Spirit will guide you into all the truth. Not only will the Spirit convict us, but also he'll show us what the next steps are. And so when we think of pruning, we're like, he's going to cut all these things out of us, and this fruitfulness is going to come. And yes, there are things that he completely wants to remove. There are other things that I don't know that, that it's that kind of pruning where he cuts it out of your life. He's not saying end all of your relationships. He's saying like, no, like from the conviction, let me lead you into what is true and what you can do about it. Let me, let me help you form a more healthy kingdom-centered strategy about how you approach work and finances and parenting and marriage and friendship and serving in the local church and all of these things but that's how he does it. And so what is being described here in these five verses is this reality for us as a bunch of branches. Is that here we are, we have one thing in common. That's the vine. We didn't earn our way to the vine. We're all, we all got to him by grace through faith. I've said that like 10 times a day. We have this common vine. We're a cluster of branches created to bear fruit from loving God that will bless the nations as we invite people to join the vineyard. We know that that's happening. But in that, in that branch life, we have the Father and the Son and the Spirit at work in your life, in my life, in our collective lives. Cutting out the things that are bearing no, no fruit, convicting, leading us into truth and next steps in the things that are bearing some fruit, but they could bear more fruit. That we get to all at one time be connected to the Lord, connected to one another, 
thrive and people come to know him as Savior and Lord. All at once. It's all happening all the time. That the full power of the Trinity is looking after your life, looking after my life. That's why, I, like that is that to me is like in times when I'm kind of like freaking out about how the church is doing. I'm like, oh yeah, but he's the true vine. Our Father's the vine dresser, and the power of the Spirit is there, pruning and cutting away. We'll be fine. The church has made it uh, from Pentecost to this moment. She survived a lot of things. She'll be fine because we are God's vineyard. And he lovingly takes care of our lives. And so where this shows up in your life, I, that's only you know. And you may know exactly. You might be like, dude, just quit talking. I, I got it. It might be something where you need to be like, hey, I need to come back to this later. Maybe God is stirring something in you that is worth spending some quiet time with him today. Um, Whatever that may be, uh, we want to just have a little bit of time before we bless one another and go into what is next to kind of just like let this marinate just a little bit more and let you respond to him. And so we will sing some songs. You can come and kneel here and pray if that is something that you feel led to do. We do have communion over here on, the, on this side uh, as, a, as an optional response that perhaps for you, taking the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you, perhaps that will connect you to the vine in a way that is exactly what you need today. So we want to make that available to you. Um, maybe it's a combination of those things. You, you know. But I hope that we will all take into consideration the fact that God is working on us. And we can refuse that or we can lovingly submit to that and say, why, why would I fight you on this? You know. And so I hope this has given us some good things to be blessed by. Let's stand together. Our musicians will come back. Lord, I'm grateful for uh, this text. It's one that uh, has been very special to a lot of people in this room for a long time. And I think there's something about the simplicity of it that is so comforting that we don't have to get tripped up in a lot of the the things that maybe distract us sometimes from that these basic ideas that you love us and you care about us and that the full power of the Father, Son, and Spirit are taking care of us as branches. And we were created to bear fruit, but we don't bear our own fruit. That comes from you doing incredible things in us. And so the next few minutes as we sing and pray and receive communion and just respond to what we feel stirring in us, um, I hope that that you will just speak clearly, that we would welcome your Spirit's activity, whether it's convicting or bringing to remembrance the things that are true or guiding us into next steps. May we be open-handed and humble 
as your sons and your daughters this morning. We love you very much. We thank you. In these next few moments, we respond to you uh, in love and in spirit and in truth. And I pray all this in the good and perfect name of Jesus. Amen.